Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Hello, welcome! Welcome back. Okay, uh, this is your new favorite podcast about Glee specifically. We are Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. We'll you work know, on that. we'll we'll see if that we'll see if we can engineer that to sound somewhat um, Maybe cohesive. Maybe we'll take turns gleeing aggressively. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are here back with episode two of season one of Glee, titled Showmance. Yes. Uh, episode two. It is aired September 9th of two thousand nine. So we're still way back when, um, when we were children. Um, right. And it is the first non-pilot episode of Glee, so... Yeah. This episode only aired once, unlike the pilot. Fun fact about this one. I saw this one at an event at the Garden State Plaza Mall in New Jersey. Um, I woke up at, like, 6 a.m. that day for my friends to pick me up so we could drive 30 minutes into New Jersey and um, see this episode and then get a poster signed by all of the... um, principal cast minus um jane lynch and matthew morrison so i did not remember was the principal cast there um i don't know if they were i i forget if they were in i think they were in like the theater with us because there might have been some sort of like talk back panel kind of thing afterward but then it was like fully like all you teenagers and like young 20 somethings line up in front of the hot topic here's your fucking poster and like, um, uh, Leah, Michelle, Finn, um, Tina, Artie, Chris, yeah. Colfer, I think Diana Agron, um, were all like Ooh. in like at a table, and you just like walk down the line, and you're like, "Hi, I like you. Good job on the show." I mean, meeting meeting the Glee cast in a mall in New Jersey, and that you woke up at 6 a.m. to see is probably the most Glee thing I could think of. It's also, of. like, the most, like, teenager 2000 era thing I can think of. That's yeah. probably... It really speaks of its time. A hundred percent. And that's not just because we are currently in a lockdown. No, but, like, there's nothing more 2009 than going to a mall in New Jersey to meet the Glee class. Right. Um, at a Hot Topic. Yes. Which I feel like a Hot Topic would sell Glee merchandise. Like Oh, 100%. Um, we are talking about the second episode. <laughs> it starts off again with Chris Cole for being bullied. Yeah, I was actually going to say that this opening of Glee, I think, really is them trying to be like, this is what Glee should be. And I think it does a pretty good job, this sort of, like, one shot of... Will still poor, his car is still shit, but he's got confidence now. Yeah. He meets, like, he sees... Um, Runs into Leah Michelle. She's using a rolly backpack, which is extremely funny. Yep. Um, Kurt, uh, Kurt. Finn offers to help take it from her. Yeah. And she says, oh, you're so chivalrous. And he goes, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, yep. Which is funny as well. That's a great uh, bit. Tina and Artie and Mercedes are, like, having fun, doing some runs. There's a little more uncomfortable, like, Mercedes stereotyping. And then... More evidence that Mr. Shu, Will Schuster, is a bad teacher because he sees Kurt clearly about to be thrown into a dumpster and is like, oh, good job making friends. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. 
And Kirk gets thrown in a dumpster again because bullying never ends. Bullying never ends, and um, I do appreciate that he um, says the line, one day you'll all work for me. Then we immediately run into Emma, who planned yep. running into Will Schuster, which I thought was <laughs> like just the perfect amount of like awful adorableness. Yeah. I realized she's like, oh, like they're all, she's all blustery and like, oh, you decided to stay and to each glee. I love that. And then she goes, oh, we're matching. And she goes, periwinkle, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is like a dumb joke. And like the sort of thing that I, I wish I didn't relate to being like, fuck, I gotta say something. Let's talk about the fact we're both wearing periwinkle. Well, because as our I, friends listening to, like, as our circle of friends will know listening to the mm-hmm. show. We call it, like, a Karina compliment, because, like, I guess one time someone was like, hey, Karina, I like your shirt, and your response was, thanks, it's not very warm. To be fair, I think the person giving me the compliment was someone, like, kind of weird, and so you're just roll with it. Yeah, you're, you're like, right. oh, I don't really want to be talking you're to you. You're definitely right about that, too. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, just know it's one of the many things that we all appreciate about you. It's my legacy. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to go meet Jane Lynch again. We do, our queen. Because Ni- Naya Rivera gets her first line. She does. And she tells Will and Emma to get a room. Yes. Uh, and, like, it's like it's just, like, the two of them, like, Naya Rivera and Diana Agron, like, just walking past and, like, without missing a beat. Like, just... The bitch power is real. The bitch power is real. And, like, you gotta respect it. I, my note just says, Sue Sylvester is wonderful. I fucking love her. But then you get to the stakes. So... Will Schuster, Sue Sylvester, and the um, the principal are all... Principal Figgins. Figgins, yes. They're all in a meeting, and um, we see that the stakes are if the Glee Club does not win regionals, the club will get cut. Yes. During which we learn there is a show choir rule book. Yes, so Sue who knows, pulls Will into her office to be like, I went to the library and checked out the show choir rule book. Fine. Um, and you need to have 12 members. They only have six. Sue says five and a half because she's ableist. Yes. And and so Will is like, Will talks a big game like, oh, we're going to beat you Cheerios. Which is it's not technically true because they're not competing against each other. That's... Cheerleading and show choir occupy two different realms. Exactly. Whatever. That, that's, a very, that's a very good point. And I didn't even think, like, I guess I thought about that in the moment, but I didn't even, I didn't write that note <laughs> because... My note here is, he says, you're used to being cock of the walk, and she immediately replies, offensive, which is just, <laughs> which is just brilliant. Like, that, that yeah. is a joke that was ahead of its time and is also timeless. Well, it also starts when she throws him iron. You want an iron tablet? Yeah. You keep your strength up when you're menstruating. I don't menstruate. Neither do I. Okay. <laughs> I love that well, bit. Also, she says the flay is blasting my hammies. Yes. Um... Um, I wrote down that it was a solid Sue banter, that there was definitely still some oofs, some things that, through that terrible, terrible lens of, like, this era, you're like, ooh, boy, don't love hearing hearing that, but yeah, it's of the times, and it's Sue Sylvester, so you're like, okay, I right. get it. Um, and then right after that is a Quinn scene, which, like, that's really the first time we see, like, Quinn as a character. Yes. Um... Yes. Because she's trying to convince Corey Monteith not to stay in Glee Club. Um, yeah. Which, and like, at, like, and her bargaining is that she will offer second base 
to Finn. <laughs> Not even second brace. She says, you will be able to touch my breast, singular. One. And it is under the shirt, over the bra. Yes. This is what I wrote down, like, dark high school musical hour. Because this is very much, like... Yeah. You can't... Troy Bolton, you can't be in uh, the musical. It'll ruin your reputation, except... Instead of being like, it'll ruin your reputation, your dad will be mad. It'll be like, if you don't join Glee, you can touch my boob. Right. One singular. <laughs> um, and then right after that is my favorite line of the series so far, where Finn walks away and Quinn sees um, Quinn sees Leah Michelle and immediately goes, time for some girl talk, man hands. And I cackled. I scared my girlfriend who was watching this episode with me because I was cackling. You And, like, Karina, you've heard me when I laugh like that. Yeah. It is loud, and you, it sounds fake, it but is it loud is fully and proud. real. It's, um, it, was, it, it was brilliant. It was just chef's kiss. It was very good, and then she's basically like, you'll never have Finn. Like, you might sing with him, but I'm the one who has them. And Leah Michelle goes, like, that's okay. You understand why you're jealous because we've made a connection. But I had many suitors of my own. And then she gets slushied in the face. Which is just great timing. Yes. Another hallmark of the Glee. Yeah, that's like, that was like their um, publicity materials. That was on like all their posters yes. and shit for a while. Like, even like the, yeah, like the, the cast. Yeah, the face. Yeah. Even like the cast like throwing slushies at you. <laughs> and then we go to Glee Cup rehearsal, I think. Yeah, we go right to um, them doing... Is it called La Freak? La Freak. Okay. Uh, Will saying that this was won them big in 93. Okay. So I I have that as well as a note with LOL, like fucking pitch perfect because- Yes. Big I saw the sign energy. It is 100% (laughs) pitch perfect being like Aubrey being like, no, we can't afford to like do anything else. And like- Liam and like the rest of them being Anna Kendrick being like not there's nothing from the century right like the one person being like not acknowledging that times and musical taste change and so like no we have to do this song disco was huge in 93 and then like even later like Matthew Morrison like turns around and leaves a conversation with Liam Michelle and goes everybody loves disco do they exactly did people love disco in 2009 no do people love disco now maybe Uh, yeah disco's making a comeback now I think someone just released a disco album. Um, what's her name? Um, Dua Lipa. Yeah. Like, has a disco-inspired so- album called, like, Studio 2054, I think, or Future Nostalgia. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, good for her. Good for her. So, then we cut to... Um, well, then we get to the episode stakes, which is you have to perform this disco song at a pep rally in front of the whole school to try to get more Glee members. Right. So, episode stakes. Episode stakes. And they're all like, fuck this we have to do this, but also fuck this. Yep. And is it then when they're, like, house hunting? Well, yeah, yes. So then it goes to them, like, looking at a model home. Right. And Terry being the shrill consumerist wife again. Right. Um, we meet her sister, who is worse. Oh, yeah. So. Right, 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 right. Who has, like, two kids and, like, a, de- like a dead-eyed husband. Right. Um, and, like, of, like... She's asking questions about, um, she wants to cut down her own Christmas tree, so, like, how many Christmas trees will this yard handle? And and do they come in different colors? And do they come in different colors? And that's where I was like, I, I don't know about this, guys. And yeah. You're like, oh, you've gone from, like, 
kind of a bitch wife to someone who's like out of touch with reality right it's like pick a lane um mm-hmm. then they're i guess they're walking around the house the model house and like matthew morrison is like we can't afford this and terry's response is all we have to do is give up applebee's to afford this house which i want that life i want to be able to say like <laughs> I will... i'm just not going to go to my regular friday dinners at the local Applebee's, which, fun fact, that is where everything social happened in my hometown growing up, including, like... That's where everything social happens for me now. Yeah. In the before times. I fucking love Applebee's. Or I, I did... Love an Applebee's. We, you and I definitely had, like, gone out of our way to go to an Applebee's in the Bronx just because there was, mm-hmm. like, an appetizer deal. Yeah, we sat at the bar in an Applebee's in the Bronx. It was... Who does that? We do. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Um, that was funny. We'll do it again. I, I totally would. And, like, I guess there's a moment where, like, Terry's kind of thoughtful here because, like, I guess it's, like, either we can have the, the kitchen or we can have, like, the sun nook or something. Yeah, like, the foyer or the sun nook. She takes him up to, like, the pre-dressed, like, little girl's room and says, this is where our daughter or gay son will sleep. Yes, which is a great line. But like, And they have a heart-to-heart where Will's like, I want to have this family with you, but we need to be realistic. And she's like, okay, I can compromise a little bit, but not too much. Right. Like, and I have here, like, like it's this is some kind of awful Sophie's choice. And then we go back to, and then we go back to the Glee Club. Yes. Before we talk about the um, elephant in the room yes. there, it opens up with another rack focus joke, which is becoming my favorite things in Glee, where it's supposed to show, like, first it's focused on Finn, and then it shows to Rachel behind him, like, staring at him, pining, like, oh, you're dating Quinn, but I want to be with you. Yes. But the funny part of it is, is it starts with Finn, like, bending down to, like, tie his shoe, and the look on his face, and his actions imply that he does not know how to tie his shoe. Right! <laughs> he just looks, like, confused. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're making him real dumb, and I, uh, laughed very hard at that. That's, yeah. And just, like, again, like, I'm sure there's a supercut somewhere of, like, Leah Michelle just glowering through six seasons of Glee. Yes. Like, just looking very angry or whatever. But then we get to one of the other legacies of Glee, yes. which is Matthew Morrison, certified white man, doing a rap. So, and like, listeners, and I really hope you're listening to this, because this is the impetus for this show. This is, yeah. I somehow remembered that in 2009, Matthew Morrison fully rapped Gold Digger by Kanye West, and... Yeah. We just let that happen. And um, I remembered that, and I thought, why did we let that happen? Let's break it down. Hey, Karina, want to do a podcast? So here we fucking are because of this fucking scene that apparently lived rent-free in my head for over a decade, and I only just, like, found it living in, like, the spare bedroom or whatever recently. It's your craft closet. Um... Yep. So the worst thing about the performance of Gold Drigger is clearly Will, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that he should not be doing that. Um, the second worst thing about Gold Digger is the fact that, in Will's mind, in character, he was like, this is a song that Finn, another white boy, should be singing out loud. Right, like, I forgot about that too. <laughs> he's like, you'll take the lead. And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, I'll show you up. I'm like, sir, you're an adult. Um, also... Gold Digger is not really a song you'd be like, I think I will sing this in school today. Right, like, I mean, we'll get to, like, the whole thing, like, later where there's, like, here's, like, pre-approved songs, 
But like, how mm-hmm. did any? How did an educator, a public educator, walk in and be like, "I'm going to bring this Kanye song to the table, and that's going to be fine." Um, Mercedes sounds great doing it. Mercedes course. sounds great doing it, but all my notes are: Why is he doing Kanye? This would be fine yeah. if it were about Matthew Morrison being in a boy band in the past, which he was. Like, if this yes. were like a show about him like reliving his glory days and like teaching the youth how to be like a stars which it's not not about that but like it's about glee club it's not about like yeah anyway like it might be better also they end on we want prenup yeah <laughs> yeah what the fuck like three cheers for the prenup we're all 17 and then he's like yeah this will kill the regionals sir i don't think it will no hard what the fuck they know what a prenup they, they don't know what a prenup they is don't for sure. I, I i had to google and then they that pre- yeah it's a weird performance. They also give, like, a lot of, like, riffs in it to Artie, which is funny to me. Right, um, they do. Also, like, it was clearly one of those things where, like, it wasn't choreographed. And they were just kind of like, yeah, just, like, feel the no. rhythm, bop along to it. And, like, it just looks very weird. Yeah. Um, and then we yeah. cut to... It, is that immediately when we cut to Leah Michelle trying to throw up? Yes. Um, which also had an excellent line where she's like... Uh, Emma catches her in the bathroom. Yep. And says, are you throwing up? And she's like, I can't. And then she goes, I guess I don't really have a gag reflex. And Emma goes, ah, that will be a gift later. Yep. <laughs> in life. <laughs> Which is very funny. Very funny, like, the perfect, like, level of, like, subtlety in a joke. <laughs> as well as, there's vomit on the floor. And she goes, oh, that was from the girl before me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. That was a really great line. There's your good dark humor. Right. Like, that's, like, I think, like... That's what I wanted this whole show to be. Yes. Like, I mean, like, I, like, again, we're, this is a show about, I mean, this is, this whole show is, this whole podcast, rather, is about a show that I, a theater professional, have never seen. Yes. So, that's what I want this show to be. And, um, then we go to the guidance counselor's office, we go to Emma's office, and I love that, so you like throwing up is the pamphlet. (laughs) Uh, the pamphlets are all iconic. I wish I had, like, paused and written down one of them. I know one of them was about Radon. Yes, um, like the Silent Killer or something. Yes, Radon the Silent Killer. Uh, the pamphlets are iconic. They are one of the, another excellent psych gag by Glee Props Department who are really killing it. And then they basically have a heart-to-heart of, like, what it's like to want to date someone who's in a relationship with someone Right, else. which is, like, a really sweet scene. Like, as, like, kind of yeah. campy as it was, like, I, d- I thought it had some heart to it, and, like... It felt very, like, teen movie, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, like, I will give, and, like, I was talking, of, uh, I think we mentioned the prom last time. Like, mixed reviews or whatever, like, I have a <laughs> lot of, um... I give a lot of, I cut a lot of slack to things that have a lot of heart in, like, a genuine way. And this is one yeah. of those things where, like, it was clearly, like, well done. And, um... Yes. It cuts to Emma singing All By Myself in her car, which <laughs> is, like, I love that. Like, again, she is my favorite one in this. And she's actually a great guidance counselor. Yeah. Like, she has her shtick. She has this, like, I, I guess it's, it's like, an OCD kind of thing. It is definitely implied to be, like... I would almost say almost a caricature of what people think OCD is in, like, the worst way. Right. But yes, that is, that is her issue. Yeah. And, but, like, um, she's a great guidance counselor when push comes to shove. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we then smash cut to Finn and Rachel being braided in Figgins' office with, by 
uh, Sue Sylvester. Right. Who says that they should be hobbled <laughs> for their crimes, which is a wild thing to hear a teacher say. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, their crime was their crime was using the copier for the Cheerios. Right. Yeah. Um, the copies cost four and a half cents each, and they have to repay them. Which was like they all made of- seventeen copies. They owe 76 cents. I did the math earlier today. Excellent. Okay, thank you, because I was going to ask, because I forgot about that. (laughs) So it cuts, though, then to, like, what they were doing, and it was Rachel and Finn trying to make these flyers to get Glee recruits so they don't have to sing the shitty disco song. And And that had the second reference to Justin Timberlake. You took the words out of my mouth, because, like, how does he not know who Justin Timberlake is? Um, But it also had another very funny joke, which was, a flyer of people who got their start in show choir, which included Kelly Clarkson and Justin Timberlake, and then the third one, which was a picture of Robin Thicke, but then it had his name and an arrow pointing to them, because in 2009, pre-blurred lines, no one knew who Robin Thicke was, really. Holy <laughs> shit. I have to go back and rewatch that, because I missed that entirely. Yeah, that, it was, I laughed so hard. I was like, my god. In 2009, we were so young, people wouldn't have recognized Robin Thicke without his name. Like, by the way, guys, that's Robin Thicke. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I never noticed that before. That was the first time I've noticed that gag, and it made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And then they talk more about, like, being talented and chasing your dreams, yeah. whatever. Very teen movie. Uh, my note is, Leah Michelle is relatively unannoying here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's just, like, there's some earnestness to her performance. Right. Of, like, oh, I just want him to like me back. Yeah. Um, And then we cut to a Terry scene. Yep, in the fucking fancy tub again. In the fucking fancy tub, and I'm wondering if this is supposed to be another, like, 2009 Matthew Morrison thirst trap kind of thing. I wish I wouldn't. Just because, like, Ryan Murphy is all about, like, putting good-looking dudes in, like, pseudo-sexual situations for no other reason than putting good-looking dudes in pseudo-sexual situations. Um, So, like, him and his wife in a tub talking about their dream home. And I'm oddly, like, there's a bit of me that's, like, Team Terry on this, where she's like, Mm -hmm. you're working hard and I'm working hard too. And, like, I want to be, like, I want my hard work to pay off. And I'm like... Pay off, yeah. I'll give that to you. That, yeah. They undermine that by, like, having her made the joke in the previous episode about how she only works, like, four hours a week and whatever but yes the sentiment i think is there right her her dreams are a little too much but ultimately like wanting to have a home is not should not be an outlandish dream i have that That's same a whole other <laughs> yeah it's a whole other uh, can of worms there um and then we go to the cel- the celibacy club meeting oof this <laughs> i love this scene i love this good. scene the like they're in separate rooms i don't know what the phrase those skirts are crunchy toast means i wrote that down too those skirts are crunchy toast what could this possibly mean I, because like i i don't like crunchy toast i don't what i like a light to medium toast are... with butter like that's pretty smooth like what are you, what are you getting at here puck what so please uh, if anyone out there knows what he could mean when he says those skirts are crunchy toast, referring to the cheerleaders like not even really skirts, it's almost like just pleats with with nothing. Like they're not sewn together. Right. They're crunchy toast. How and why? Someone please tell me. Gleeaggressive at gmail.com, at gleeaggressive yes. on your social media platforms. 
what what the tell fuck? me what crunchy toast means um oh i lo- so they're talking about like premature ejaculation as you do and the dude is just like i just like i forget what the exact line was like i just like think of a skirt and like Cinco de Mayo, and that oh. was so wrong, but so funny. I was just like watching it alone in my house, and I just went Ugh. <laughs> like alone to myself. <laughs> it's so cringy, but it's all like I like I'm. As, as soon as I start to grind, Cinco That's de what Mayo. It was. That's what it was. And then Finn is like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it." And then we learned that to stop himself from. Getting, going too fast. He thinks about the time he killed the mailman? What the fuck, guys? Ryan Murphy, what are we doing here? He's like, I know what will stop premature ejaculation. That murder. Murder. <laughs> that time I hit a mailman. At least severely maiming a postal worker. Oh, God. I mean, and as we all know from the year 2020, postal workers are heroes. Yes. Um, I really like this cel- celibacy club I... plotline. It felt like it could have been a lot. And, um... I don't know if they, like, really carried on as much as they could have, but Rachel coming out here, like, talking about healthy uh, teen sex. That's also what I wanted this show to be, was, like, the disparate dark humor of um, Quinn saying, the like, the balloon is our, like, space for Jesus, and then the line is, like... When the balloon pops, the angels cry. Exactly. That's, like, that's what I want out of this show. That is so fucking funny. But then Leah Michelle just fully dropping knowledge was great. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to another Matthew Morrison. Jacob Ben Israel's You Enchant Me. What? Jacob Ben Israel, your uh your stereotypical Jew male. Um Wait, is that what that guy's name is? You enchant me? Oh, I didn't know I didn't Jacob Ben Israel, yes. I did not know that was his name. God damn it. I don't know if they say it, I'll be honest. Um, but his You Enchant Me to Leah Michelle is very funny that to was, me. That was, yeah, that was great. Um, but then yes. We go to Will, who has taken up a part-time job night janitoring to try to afford his dream house. Which for his kid, commendable. Yeah, commendable. I'm not. I will never diss the uh, the maintenance crew on anything because, especially nowadays. And but at the same time, like um, Emma decides to help out Will with cleaning this classroom. She explains the origin of her whole um, obsessive cleaning uh, thing. And I, I'm sorry, there's probably, mm-hmm. like, an actual, like, PC name for it, and I'm just not thinking about it, so, like, feel free to, like, at me and tell me what that is, because I've just, I'm blanking right now. Yeah. But she's basically explaining her situation of how she was, like, thrown in, like, a runoff sewer of a yogurt factory, and, like, Ugh. yeah, that yeah. sounds disgusting. Um, I don't know if you've ever smelled ex- expired milk or expired yogurt, but you don't want to. Um, and, like, no. so, so, like, now she cleans compulsively. But then, mm-hmm. like, Will Schuster enchants her in an oddly sexual moment where he, like, runs his finger through the chalk dust and, like, yeah. boops her on the nose, right? Yeah. Yeah. This scene made me extremely uncomfy. Same. Like, no. No, because thank you. Because it is just Will being, like, I can fix your mental health disorder yeah like oh you're just having like you have a mental health problem because that's what the show is trying to frame it as ocd right like whether or not that's what it is or whether it's a good representation i don't know but the show calls it ocd will who is 
not a licensed like me- mental health professional is like let's try to work on this let's try to fix this yeah you and me i'm and just also gonna... does it in a weirdly sexually charged way <sighs> yeah yeah yikes on bikes you don't try to fix your friend's mental health disorders right thanks i hate it no no thank you thank you next um and then we get to <laughs> the push and it what number. a next it is what a next it is push it what did you think of this scene, Karina? So, first of all, when Figgins is introducing them, and he's like, the Glee Club, and then Emma goes, Glee Kids, hooray! Um, I love that. I love that. <laughs> we are all, I, my note Much... here is, we are all Emma at our friend's basement improv shows in our early 20s. Yep. <laughs> um, Much like Gold Digger lived rent-free in your head for so many years, I think Push It lives rent-free in my head. Um specifically like the shot of figgins like truly vibing to it like he's listening to opera but most specifically like the whole performance is wild wildly inappropriate the dancing is weird and uncomfy but when finn comes out in the second verse the way he goes yo baby pop like no what the fuck (laughs) guys come on what guys no guys come on guys uh no uh like uh it's and it's like the dancing is just, like, I don't know if it's supposed to be on purpose, because I remember thinking that was, like, pretty cool when I saw it, like, when I was, like, 17. I don't know if it meant to be, but that was just, like, corny and, like, not really well done. Like, clearly none of them are, like, hip-hop no. dancers. And, like, the whole point of this thing is, They're... like, we're going to give them what they want, which is sex. We are going to do sex. this number because it is sexy, it's going to be provocative, it's going to be, um, like, controversial. We're going to give them sex. And it just kind of, like, fell flat on that end because it was, like, white kids doing, like, sexual moves, but it was corny, Crawling on the and floor, I didn't like it. Already bouncing the asses. That was good, though. Um, that was really funny. That was great just because it like, was so funny. something about, like, Kurt's doing, like, a really like thrust shimmy move and he's got like that glove tucked in his pants and somewhere in the back of my brain is like that is that's something that maybe like some old symbolism or something something about that stood out but i couldn't remember why but uh it's so much i did not know what that was so thank you for informing me on that yeah he is like a glove stuck in his like and dick pouch and like you said cory monteith ended up rapping anyway yeah, Cory Monteith, yo baby pop. He's like <laughs> not. He doesn't sound good. He looks and sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so bad. Like for me, the push it number almost turns around into so bad it's good. Like, good. But for, I mean, good for you because I'm just like, okay, when are we done here? Because I'm uncomfortable. But the crowd loved it. The crowd loved Jacob it. Jacob and Israel and the sexual awakening of McKinley High. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's what, yeah, that's the great sexual awakening. awakening the great sexual awakening of McKinley High. Mm-hmm. Um, Was Yo Baby Pop. Yo Baby Pop. Cut to the pr- Figgins' office again. Mm-hmm. With, with Matthew Morrison, Jane Lynch, Figgins, and a pre-approved song list that Glee Club can yep. do. Apparently, a lot of them are about balloons, which I think is great. I think it's great. Also, I will say, relating to that, when um, after the meeting, when 
Will comes out and shows Rage to the Lips, and she goes, what's, what's a, a luft balloon? balloon? <laughs> I love that. I love that, because I fucking love that song, too. It's a great song. It's a great song. I would gladly pay money to see an Ohio show choir do a kick-ass version of 99 Luftballoons. 99 Luftballoons. Um, um, but we skipped over, and uh, I apologize for this, where um, Sue Sylvester says something along the lines of, like, this is the most offensive thing I've seen since an elementary school production of Hair. Yeah. Bless. Oh, God. Very good. Um, turns out, though, Figgins liked the idea of Glee Club. They just need to clean it up a little bit. Right. So Glee Club's back in business. Yeah. Uh, the Cheerios get their dry cleaning budget slashed to mm. do that. And she, he says, I'm sure the dry cleaning is just as good here as it is in Europe, which is, of course, troubling implications. I mean, but all, <laughs> yeah. Their spending budgets. I mean, also, like, Fig- Figgins has bars. Like, he dropped some bars yeah. there. And then, of course, like, Matthew Morrison chastises Leah Michelle, his ex-girlfriend, um, apparently. <laughs> Big yikes. Yep. And then there's a scene where we cut to Emma sanitizing her grapes. Yes. Why is she sanitizing her grapes? It does not feel like a smart thing to do to, like, use a full alcohol IPA wipe on your fruit <laughs> right before you pop it into your mouth. That's what they think um, OCD is. That is a problem. 99 problems, um, and that is one of them. Yes. And I believe this is when, like, Ken approaches her, right? And we haven't actually talked about him. We haven't, because Ken's been there. Ken has been the football mm-hmm. coach. He's been around. He clearly has a thing for Emma. Yes. Uh, she rejects him both in ways that are, like, making excuses, and then eventually outright says, like, no, I'm not going to date you. I like someone else. Right. Um... And he actually catches them in their weird sexually charged therapy moment. Um, but yeah, Ken Tanaka, the football coach, um, he and Will seem to be on okay terms. In the previous episode, we didn't talk about him, but he's willing to, like, give Will a chance to talk to them. But then when he finds out he's stolen Finn, he's pissed. He's also really pissed about the fact that Emma likes Will. Mm-hmm. Um And he can see that it's reciprocated. But instead of trying to do anything, he's like, no, please date me. Right. And he catches her polishing her grapes and is like, you're never going to get him. I don't, so I don't like that instead. he says, I'll put up with your crazy. Like, yeah. Because that right there is a big old red flag. Yeah. This show doesn't do a great job with mental health, I don't think. Right. And again, it was 2009, so we maybe weren't having those conversations as much, but it's definitely not sensitive to... The struggle of mental Right. Life. But then she eventually agrees to go out with him. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to a picnic scene with Rachel and Finn. And I did not like this scene. So my first question for you. They're doing like voice right. exercises. And I don't know what they're doing. But then Rachel says that whatever note he hit is the holy grail for a baritoner. Can you please explain what any of that means to me? I rolled my eyes so hard at that. So your baritoners are like those male singers who can sing kind of high, but like their real like beautiful notes are kind of in this like middle, upper middle register range. So like, and like though those notes are, were pretty like pretty soaring for like your kind of classical musical theater scores, like your gypsies or like your Rogers and Hammerstein scores where you had like these very like more classically inspired reg, um, musical styles that were being sung. So you kind of get to, like, 
these higher notes, which are not as mm-hmm. high nowadays, like they're not as high as high notes nowadays, just because like the standards that everybody is put through to sing in musical theater are ridiculous, and that's a whole other podcast. But when you get to like that, like middle right. C, like up to like that fifth, sixth above, that's like your holy grail for baritone range. So short story long, like that's like. Mm-hmm. If you have those solid notes under your belt, then, like, there's a lot of things you can do with that in, like, a musical theater world is what I guess is, like, the condensed ver. Yeah, like, it's kind of the translation there. What um, she's saying. Because, like, yeah. even a lot of, like, um, popular songs are kind of fall in that range. It just annoyed me so much. Like, I, I, I think that's part, part um, of why I never, like, fully got on board with the show is because it's, like, I was a theater kid. I studied theater all my life. I still identify as a, an actor yeah. and performer, you know. I'd like to say I've had some yes. so, some kind of yeah. um, legitimate career, I... um, and, and um, I yeah, I can't get behind that shit on TV. Yeah, I almost think slight tangent. That's almost why Glee works more as like I've seen more Glee right. than you as someone who was theater kid adjacent, who like wasn't going to pursue. Uh, show choir or show choir related jobs um but liked the atmosphere so i had less to be a and and like it's funny because by, like, as it were i actually really like zoe's extraordinary playlist and like that is also spring awakening alums and broadway alums and like but it's a very different show and premise yep. and stuff and and maybe some and glee maybe alums. some glee alums um, but anyway so this Wait, picnic no. scene no there was I hated it. Um, there's a very oh. clear Spring Awakening reference where, like, Cory Monteith is lowering her down, a la that, Right, like, like, it's literally the cover of the Spring Awakening playbill. Yeah, which is that, like, sex scene from the end of Act 1, beginning of Act 2. And then she he just fully goes and cheats on Quinn. I thought it would take us another, like... Yeah. I thought it would take us maybe at least a half a season, build up to it, get that sexual tench, but... No, just like, you want to kiss me? Okay, blam. And then he almost comes too soon and has to think of the mailman again. And then Rachel thinks she's done something wrong. Yeah, I wrote that down too, that it's season two, or episode two, and Finchel is already happening. Um, no, Finchel, thank you. of course, being um, Finn and Rachel. Uh, fuck me. I'll get used to it. They don't go away. Oh, uh, there's portmanteaus for Oh, and everyone. then he says something along the lines of like, the cups are like airplane cups, and I laughed. Well, she also serves in Virgin Cosmos, which oh is, in fact, God. just cranberry juice. I didn't even think um, of that. There's nothing else in a Cosmo besides a lime wedge, and oh, Jesus I think Christ. all I did the not other even... ingredients are alcoholic. So it's a thermos full of cranberry juice, served in airplane cups. They have the world's most awkward conversation. I will say, Rachel Berry being the kind of, like, being like, you can kiss me if you want, is like... A level of confidence I certainly wouldn't have had in high school. Like, if I was having a weird auditorium picnic with the boy exactly. I liked, which already wouldn't have never happened. But to be, like, to recognize the weird sexual tension in the room and saying, hey, go for it. Like, on their lunch break. This is, like, fully on their lunch break. Uh, this, this school day of McKinley High is very nebulous. Like, they're always in rehearsal or right. on lunch. And there um, seems to be no Yeah, like, time. when are they in class? Um, then we cut to another Terry scene at the gynecologist. Yes. Let's talk about so, this scene. Let's talk about this scene. Um, I have... There's an article by a TV critic that I really like. Her name's Emily Vanderwerf. Um, she reviewed the first three seasons of the Glee 
of the Glee for, a, like, a website. Um, and she later, towards the end of the series, wrote an article that was called, like, I can pinpoint mm. when season, when uh, Glee went bad. And she said it went bad basically right here in this scene. That is... I mean, like, I get that, like, because it sets you up, but also, like, that's, like, pretty early on, thinking of, like, how historically, like, you can pinpoint episodes where they jump the shark, as it were, but that's, like, your seasons four or five. Yeah. And she argues that it really is the inclusion of, spoiler alert for this episode that we're about to talk about, um, that's happening right now, that Terry's pregnancy was a hysterical pregnancy, so there's no baby. And, And she responds, did it fall out? And I laughed. <laughs> it, yes. So her understanding um, I of anatomy cackled is at poor. that point, and um, then I genuinely looked up a, if hysterical pregnancy yeah. is real or not, because like, like I, I like to think I had a pretty good education growing up, but I feel like I would not have been surprised if Ryan Murphy made up a hysterical pregnancy, and we just kind of we just kind of went with it, right? Like. I've done some reading on this, and what people kind of say is, by making Terry not be pregnant, it immediately removes some Mm. of the stakes from the show, and, like, kind of gives an easy way out. Because it was setting up, like, Will clearly is in a failing marriage, and likes this other woman, Emma, who likes him back, and they seem like they'd be good together, but he's married and expecting a child, so, like, what- and he's trying to pursue his dreams while- providing for his family and that's an interesting like right dramatic plot device by making it a hysterical pregnancy again now we've just re- reversed all that and now it's just back to will being in a shitty marriage with a woman who's willing to lie to him about carrying um his child and now it turns terry instead of into like Taking any sympathy away from her, because now she just looks right. fully, like, Which, again, villain. like, not a good look for, like, the creators of this show. No. Um, that is some very interesting... It feels like a twist for the sake of having a twist. Yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll, yeah, totally. Um, we then cut to the cheerleaders auditioning for Glee Club, which... I really like this one. This yes. Say a Little Prayer I thought was excellent. Naya Rivera still found a way to overshadow the other two. Yeah, well, in those skirts that are crunchy toast. The arrangement was great. The choreography was great. Like, I would have, I would have cast the, cast them. I would have, like, mm-hmm. put them on the team as well at that point on the spot. Yeah. And they, and they needed the yeah, members. Yeah, he needed the members. Um, then we know that Sue knows that they have joined, jo- Sue knows they've joined the Cheerios and is like, you can use this to infiltrate right. it. Employs um, them as spies. There's also a very funny moment there where they're, like, hatching hatching the scheme, and Quinn goes, and I can get my boyfriend back. And Sue Sylvester goes, yeah, I don't really care so much about that one. Um, which yep. I was like, yeah, oh, man, same. I love it. Honestly, same what we're all thinking. Um, oh, man. And Will betrays Rachel and gives away her solo. Right, which is, like, that want. that's some pretty fair punishment. I will give them that. Like, that's, Yeah. And like, and then Quinn yeah. gets to sing with her boyfriend. It like, it makes sense. Like, sure. Yeah, um, Rachel went above his head. She fully gets told by Matthew Morrison, "You're not always going to be the star," and that hit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it hit like, her badly. That just felt so apropos. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so then... And then it's basically over. Yeah, because she sings a Rihanna song, which I learned from um, my girlfriend who read her book, is that um, she had a really hard time doing that. Really? Because A, it's a pop song, and B, it's a Rihanna song. Yeah. So, like, there was a little bit of, like... And this might have been, like, the sort of um, diva behavior Mm -hmm. kind of poking through, but, like, it was a lot of pressure, which, like, I kind of get, but, like, um, there was a point where, like, they might have replaced it. Like, they were considering a different song. They were considering, like, a show tune, um, which would be fitting as well because this moment yes. is very theatrical. Like, this is very much like like a musical theater moment, which I really appreciated. I thought that yeah. was, like, a really well-done moment, except Rachel Barry does not know how to hold a hairbrush mic. No. Which, like, Leah Michelle knows how to hold a mic. Rachel Barry knows how to hold, like, a regular mic. Why doesn't she know how to hold a hairbrush mic? Maybe she doesn't know how to brush her hair. But she's got two gay dads. I know, I know. Um, so this song, to me, falls into the category of, like, your typical Rachel Berry ballad. Like, ends the, it ends the show, the episode. She sings a big number, basically alone in the auditorium. They're always a little bit slow. And if you remember, if you listen to podcasts, you know that, uh, I loathe slow songs, so I just like, <laughs> yes, Leah Michelle, you've got a very good voice, you're having a lot of feelings, but I'm, I, I could skip it. Sure, I get that. Like, I thought it was all around good. This mm. moment was, like, good. Like, especially as, like, her take on, like, a theatrical song, in a yeah. way. I didn't hate it. Um, overall, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember if I've seen episode three or not. Um, yeah. well... Uh, is there any other moments you've thought of that you feel like need to be addressed? Let me see. Let me check my notes. Um, no, I think we covered it all. I think I think we hit yeah. all the um, important points in my book. What about you? Not enough Tina and Artie in this episode. I'm just going to say it. Um, oh, 100%. Like, which I feel bad now that like you say that like because you're 100% right. But they showed up. They did their job. Uh... But I would say that's about it. Um, so, out of all the songs performed in today's episode, which one would you spend 99 cents on iTunes to download onto your uh, iPod Touch to be able to listen to it anytime? Say a little prayer. Yeah. Say, yeah. okay. I will say that Say a Little Prayer is the right answer, obviously. That is by far, I think, my favorite, actual favorite performance. But boy... A little bit in my head is like, what if you said push it? <laughs> what if you said what if I had, I'm gonna download push it? What if I were to tell you that? Like, what if I were to tell you that? Like, just 2010 was the year I just had push it on my headphones between every class. One day we'll do like a very special episode, and I will find my old iPod, which I do still have, and I will be able to tell you exactly. I didn't know. Okay, don't arrest me, but um, I didn't buy songs from iTunes. I ripped them off the internet and put them on my iPod. Ooh, um, millennial. But, but I will tell you which songs from Glee I liked enough to rip off the internet and put onto my iPod. I cannot because, wait. We, that will be a special episode. Um, also, as a, there's at least one Glee song from this show that I still listen to today that is on was actually on my playlist for songs I need played at my wedding so which is what I will tell you when it comes up fine maybe you'll guess 
You'll be like, this well, is the song I, Karina needed at her wedding. I, I don't know if I will. <laughs> well, you'll find out one day. Your taste in music is, like, in a good way unpredictable to me. Yes, it is. Minus all the One Direction stuff, but... Yeah. That's also good. There's not enough One Direction in Glee. Um, they were barely around. One Direction started in 2010. Their time Fine. is coming. They're coming. Fine. They're, their Fine. shadow looms over Glee. Um, oh, Lord. Well, that is it for Showmance Episode 2. The next episode, Episode 3, is Acafellas. So... Oh, Lord. T- take that as you will. Uh, if you're watching <laughs> along with us, watch Acafellas, or don't. Um, but tune in. <laughs> tune in next week to hear us talk about that. But I will say, Ian, does Showmance, does it make you want to watch the next episode of Glee? Sure. All right. That's two shores in a row, so... We're doing pretty good. Of course, you have no choice. You have to watch it anyway. Um, All right. Thank you for joining us on another episode of, okay, 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 of Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. It's hard to do synchronized things. Okay, that was better. That was better. Hard to do synchronized things over the internet. Right. Um, Where can people, where would you like to be found on the internet, Karina? If you insist on perceiving me on the internet, um, you can perceive me. Uh, both perceive twi- me. Yes, I, will be, I can be perceived on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Most likely, you'll find me at, at Epic Adventure of, uh, and see what sort of rascally things I'm up to these days. And you can find me at Ibroski on Twitter and Instagram, and probably some other places. Um, for a lot of thoughts on like really nothing in particular, probably. What rascally things you're getting up to? I mean, I mean, I am quite the rascal as well. So. <laughs> Um, we will see you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye.